Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast, all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game. Uh, I'm Harry and welcome to episode 8 and the first in a series of three episodes all about Ardacon. So we're going to have a lot of Ardacon content over the next few episodes. Um, if you don't know uh, anything about Ardacon, then that's fair enough. If you do, then you're almost certainly well uh, well equipped with knowledge because Ardacon is the biggest Middle-earth strategy battle game tournament in the world. Uh, it's held in Manchester. There are just over 220 or so players registered at the moment, or the tickets sold, uh, although I understand that it's expected that a couple of people often drop out of that. Um, so uh, 200 and something players in a game that, you know, a few years ago was almost dead to rights um, and only existing on the support of a few uh, hardcore individuals around, uh, dotted around the world. It's very impressive. It's very exciting for those of us who are involved in the game that something like this is even possible. And it's even more exciting that people travel across the globe. And we're talking... Uh, players from Australia, which we'll hear a bit more about in the episode. Uh, also, players from across Europe, again, we'll hear more about in the episode. And players on the other side of the Atlantic, which I'm not sure whether we hear from in this episode. But I can assure you there are definitely some Canadians and Americans who've come all the way over the seas to uh, Ardacon to just play toy soldiers. Which I think is a remarkable thing, and I love the fact that this has happened. So kudos to James Clark and all of the organisers who put on this uh, this event every year, <clears throat> and they certainly have for the last few years. So, with that in mind, uh, this is a three-day convention with lots of things, not just uh, not just toy soldiers, but other bits and bobs that are happening around the around the convention, including uh, t- talks on the Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game Team, the Middle Earth Team from Games Workshop. So that's exciting, uh, and uh, undoubtedly some. Well, actually, by the time this podcast comes out, you'll probably already know what's uh, what's been announced. So that's fine. Um, but exciting announcements, I assume, are planned. Uh, also uh, from uh, various uh, people who dress up and, and and do lots of different Im- impressive things with terrain, uh, the uh, SBG magazine guys who we've spoken to in the podcast before, uh, Damien and Tom from the Seven Stones podcast. So I uh, flicked back a couple of episodes, I think it was six or something, maybe five, the uh, episode uh, that when, in which I talked to them, uh, which is a fantastic magazine, another one of those coming out. So very excited to get uh, grab a copy of that. Uh, but anyway... This podcast, um, uh, these three podcasts, I suppose, are going to be are going to be divided into three sort of separate uh, bits. Uh, the first podcast is going to be focused entirely on the Friday event. Uh, so if you don't know Ardacon, Ardacon is split up in three days and kind of two separate um, tournaments, as it were. Basically, on the Friday, there's a game called Chaos in Arda, which is a fun game. It's just nothing no point scored i mean yes you get an award if you win it um but it's it's too chaotic to really uh, play competitively uh, there's lots of random uh, objectives you draw a de- out of a deck it's all invented by uh, the dchl the uh, hobbit league in uh, washington dc uh, devin marino one of the champions of that who's a, who's a stand-up guy um so he's uh, he's created this game that you, what you basically draw random scenarios and random objectives and it's all lots of lots of silly different things which is fantastic so that's the the friday morning uh the friday afternoon is the doubles tournament which i will be playing in 
throughout the day on Friday, there is the Masters Tournament, uh, which is basically constitutes all the players who've won uh, some of the biggest tournaments around the world in various different countries. So uh, you may remember a few episodes ago, uh, we had the pleasure of talking to Edward Ball, Sir Edward Ball, uh, who was the winner of the scouring of Stockport, desolation of Stockport, excuse me, the desolation of Stockport. Um, and became the SPG Masters Championship of the UK winner or something along those lines. So um, I, I don't get these titles. I just can't get my head around them and I'm get them. I'm probably going to say all of them various different times over the next few episodes. So apologies, James. I'm sure you've, uh, James Clark, if you're listening, I'm sure uh, you're sort of face in uh, hand thinking, God, I wish I'd just, uh, uh, wish I'd just told you, Harry, and given you a bit of paper in advance so you know you're not going to get it wrong. But anyway, um, so Ed is one of those, we've spoke to him in the past about his army, and um, uh, so check back, back for that episode. Uh, so he'll be taking part in that, as well as uh, one of my Australian counterparts, I suppose. Um, uh, this is a, a lady called Kylie. Uh, you may have heard of her if you're in the, uh, in the uh, in the community because she was the runner-up last year for the main event at Ardicon to J. Clare, the rules writer. Now, uh, Kylie's travelled all over, uh, across the world from Australia once more to take part in the Masters and, of course, the main event to try and uh, beat J. Clare in that final. Uh, one more time, hopefully. She's hoping anyway. Um, but if you don't know, if you're not familiar, um, maybe you didn't know the fact that she is also uh, one of the members of the Green Dragon podcast. Now, this is a podcast that I've been listening to for a long time. Uh, I'm into podcasts, hence why I'm doing one. Um, and I'm into the Lord of the Rings Middle-earth strategy battle game, hence why I'm doing one of those as well. So, um, the, basically, until now, uh, there have been a few podcasts scattered about, um, uh, but the Green Dragon is certainly one of the most regular and one of the most uh, well-listened-to um, podcasts, and it's made by a group of guys in Australia, uh, including Kylie. Uh, and also uh, Matt and Jeremy and David and a few other people uh, who sort of dip in and out of uh, being podcasters. Mainly Jeremy, to be fair. He's like the the sort of the leader, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, Kylie is one of them. Uh, Matt is also one of them. And Matt has come over. And so has Kylie for this tournament. So... I'm going to be following Kylie throughout the uh, the tournament to see how she gets on in the Masters. So it's a knockout draw, which is very interesting. So I think there's 16, uh, 16 or 15 players. Um, one of them will get a bye in the first round, and um, it's a knockout tournament from there. So the big question is, how long is this podcast going to be? I'm hoping it's going to be the full uh, complement of uh, episodes, um, even uh, just a full complement of chats with Kylie after her game's just to summarise everything. And of course, we'll also have some doubles content, including me and my doubles partner, Jasmine, who I, again, we've heard from in the podcast before. Um, I believe Jasmine beat me in a game and also won the tournament that she beat me in. So uh, it's going to be a fantastic podcast. Um, a little bit unusual in the sense that I'm not doing the riddle in the dark this time because there's been so little time between the last one. Uh, I just haven't given you enough time yet. So uh, we'll do that uh, in either an episode or two's time because there's three coming from Ardacon and it's going to take me some time to edit this later on. So, without much further ado, I'm going to hand over to me and Jasmine, hopefully, if this works, at Ardacon, um, where we will be talking through our doubles list and then we'll have a bit of a chat with Kylie and we'll dip back into each of our games throughout the podcast. So, hopefully, enjoy this podcast. Uh, let's take it away, Jasmine and Harry. 
So it's lunchtime on the first day and we're in the, in the conference suite like a cathedral with all these uh, uh, chandeliers dangling over us. And, and this is one of the three episodes uh, from Articon that I'm hoping to make. And this time uh, we're going to be talking about the doubles event, which is on a Friday. We've got three games this afternoon, um, each, uh, 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 each having a 400-point army allying up uh, to take take the crown we're hoping and uh, my doubles partner is jasmine hello jasmine hi hi so um we've, we've actually played we've talked on the podcast before you've been a, a, a you've appeared before you've won one of the tournaments one of the podcasts and we played before so it's all so you're a familiar voice hopefully um but uh, i enlisted you or we, you enlisted me because we wanted to do something ultra filthy well it was also more of a case of I think both of our very first doubles game was with each other. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see where we've come from in, uh, what is it, two years? Yeah, it must be two years, two and a half years, something like yeah. that. My very first tournament, uh, I, I rocked up and it was the first day event was a singles, the second day event was doubles, and you kindly partnered with me. Uh, it, we'd never met each other before, but uh, you know, it was, and it was great, and I think you, you, t- you taught me a lot that day. So it's fantastic that we're returning two and a half years later, hopefully. Hopefully, with uh, with a strong, powerful, ultra powerful list. Because I'm thinking, because Jasmine, you win tournaments all the time. I don't. I'm hoping this might be the day that I win something. So, with your help, three games, three wins. It's not impossible, is it? I think I think we can do it. So, uh, without much further ado, let's uh, have a look at our lists for the afternoon's tournament. I've got my Durin list, um, which includes... In fact, let you, you go through your Lothlorien list, because you might remember it in full, uh, before I uh, double-check what I've got. So, uh, Jasmine, your side of the army is... Uh, so, yeah, so for this tournament, we both had to pick different lists, so we couldn't pick from the same list. So we've ended up going for a convenient allies, because the Matrix still works. So I've got Lothlorien for mine. Um, so they're led by the Gladriel model, um, so the normal one that just is unarmed or whatever holding a hand up giving it a wave yeah basically that Waving, kind of thing yes. yeah um, she's just telling the dwarves what to do basically <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so and then I've got nine guards of the Galadrim court so they're the ones with fight value six and they have pikes so the idea is to support those dwarves at the front then there's uh, about four bows in there there's a couple of Galadrim knights to give us a bit of movement for objectives and uh, a few more Gladrim warriors, and then a Wood Elf Sentinel. Wow, isn't that a, that's a filthy 400 points? So my half of the army is led by Durin for 160 points, one Khazard Guard for 11 points, a Dwarf Warrior with Banner and Shield for 34, and 15 Hearthguard. So there's some killing power in that one uh, one warband. But uh, so J- Jasmine, I mean, because we, we were talking about this, we were thinking what what stuff we could do that's potentially got the killing power that makes up for the fact that you know my dwarves have got a lot of killing power but very little movement so but the idea really was the, the single idea was two-handed weapons burly two-handed weapons backed up by fight six and fight five spears and i think i think that's got potential yeah i think so so as long as we can sort of block an area in a board we're gonna have like three attacks because of the pikes we've both got banners in our list so we should be able to cover our whole army um so it's gonna be really hard for anybody to get through because the chances of us not rolling sixes off four dice isn't gonna happen very often yeah exactly and also we've got things like you know you've got durin who's an absolute powerhouse he's impossible to kill um defense nine but he's also perhaps got the help of Galadriel being able to immobilise things or even give him back some fate. Is that right? You can give back fate? Yeah. 
Yeah, he can give back face. So we may, maybe we can, you know, top his one point of fate up if he's if he's struggling a bit. And and there's just that potential. I love the idea of having Galadriel immobilizing things, or or you know, casting blinding light to put, make the elves less squishy in the shooting. And I just think. I think we, we've got a, we've got a good combo there. I'm feeling confident. I don't know how confident you're feeling. Yeah, I feel like it's a it's a good list. Like we've got enough models in there, so I think we're sort of mid thirties, um, which is sort of average, um, and they're pretty hardy models. So I just think we might struggle on anything where we've got to move very far because that will nerf our shooting. And with the dwarves, we're only going to be able to move five inches mm. anyway. Yeah. So if it's like a recon, I think we're going to struggle in the sense that we're going to have half of the the models sort of quite far back and the other half maybe doing a bit more for it so we'll have some horses I think in that sort of thing we just have to try and block block them off but I was going to say um, I haven't really given it this much thought but what sort of things do you think we're going to really struggle against in terms of other army lists uh, that's difficult to say really because normally if you're facing elves versus elves like that can be a problem with fight value but we've got so many fight value six in our army that I just can't see many armies being able to better that mm. so maybe an army with lots of heroes because Ladriel can only immobilize one a turn and Durin's not really got the movement to be able to go and kill another hero very easily. So mm. maybe maybe all hero armies would be tough. I mean, all hero armies are always going to be tough, I suppose. But yeah, I, th- I think you're right. That if we've got if we're facing up against the Elven Lords or something like that, you know, all of the Elven Lords or even Aragorn and uh, you know LSR and Boromir and people like that, that I think they would be really tricky. But I think we've got a good chance against monster full of monster lists we've got the kill, stuff to kill high defense models you know with the the burly hazard hazard guard so yeah i'm, I'm feeling quite confident I, I think the like you said earlier the only thing that i'm worried about is a, either recon where we have to go really far uh, in a short space of time and we could end up splitting up the army and also um, any objective based game that that means that we have to split up a lot of the force because it seems like i think it'll work best when it's a one kind of solid block whereas if we're trying to split it up it might be easier for opponents to pick it up uh, pick it apart uh, I don't know what you think about that yeah I think anything that sort of splits our army because we've basically designed one that just sits together and works best when it's in that block and in its formation like if we get split up and models can come round the back to the gladrim then they're only uh, defence five on most of them mm. so they will be quite easy for the opponent to kill so we've got we don't really want to have to spread our army out but we might have to We've not got a lot of bows, have we? We've only got a few bows. We've got a smattering, haven't we? I think we've got maybe five or six, because the knights and the sentinel both have bows. So with blinding light, I can't see anybody out shooting Mm. us. Even if we've only got five or six, with blinding light up, we're still probably going to be able to dictate the shooting game. Yeah, and I was was thinking more for, you know, people with a a big shooty army perhaps going for the back rank going through the castle into the elves at the back because they were slightly lower defense but yeah blinding light's going to helpfully stop that and you know I, th- I just think we've got a we've got a good chance here so the next thing you'll hear is uh the aftermath of game number one we don't know our opponents yet i don't know the game even yet so we'll find it out in a matter of seconds for you and a matter of minutes for us so while jasmine and i are playing our doubles opponent that we don't know yet Uh, we might as well catch up with our Green Dragon uh, in the Masters Tournament. Uh, Kylie from the Green Dragon podcast. Uh, We don't know what she's playing with yet, so I think it's around about time that we have a nice lengthy chat, have a chat through things, and find out her list for the Masters Tournament. And then once we've heard from her, we'll flick back to Jasmine and I, and then back to Kylie, then back to Mills, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll... have a sort of a bit of a break so you can imagine in your mind that we're we're talking or we're playing 
our doubles game while Kylie's talking and vice versa. So uh, here we go. Let's hear from Kylie and the Green Dragons. You can kick your fancy ales. You can drink them by the flagon. But the only food for the Draven too comes from the Green Dragon. So we're, we're looking out. We're on the balcony in the uh, the suite, the international suite. With the we've got the lovely chandeliers dangling from the ceiling. We're looking down over uh, the hundreds of tables, and I've got last year's runner-up uh, and the uh, current Australian SBG Open Championship winner. Well, yeah. And uh, well, you're here, Kylie. Uh, and, yes, I am. And Kylie, you know, most people listening will know you as one of the Green Dragons or one of the regular contributors on the Green Dragon. And yeah. I've sort of been indulging in um, crossover talk in the last few you weeks and been. months. You have been. We, we, we have loved having you on. It's been, it's been fun having a, a, another kind of different, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A different uh, perspective. perspective. That's the word mm. I'm looking for, perspective on the cast. And it's, you know, it's been, it's been fun. I've in, enjoyed the little chats we've had, the army list. Oh, I'm so disappointed I didn't get to use that army list. Oh, yes, I was going to say, because we, uh, oh, uh, this is, just, let's talk, because oh. I haven't, uh, I've listened to the Some Really Good podcast that Jeremy yes. and uh, someone else did, I forget David, now. I think David, I think David, yes, yeah. it was David. Uh, and But we didn't get to hear you, and you were saying you might use the Bombadil, uh, uh, yeah. Nolder in Exiles list. I was, I was going to use it at Masters, but never got the chance, because unfortunately I had to work on Masters weekend, so I had to cancel the plans to go up last minute. And I was so shattered because I played a practice game with it. Mm. Did you do Harry, okay? Harry, it was fucking amazing. Really? It was, it was, it was, it was the bee's knees, as it were, the, the cat's pajamas. <laughs> it, 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 it went up and slapped people. Like, it, it comes at you from such weird angles too, and it was, oh, it was a... Uh, Delight to play, absolute delight to and, play. And what, just one because because you were you were thinking of doing changing some things up. I think you were going to swap Glorfindel for Arwen. Sorry, yeah. Just for context, this conversation. If you if you don't know what we're talking about, yeah. Just give a give, give an idea of what we're talking about. Uh, so TLDR, it's basically Aragorn, uh, the four hobbits with Bill the Pony. Uh, what was it? Bombadil, Arwen, some Gildor with Noldorian exiles. Um, Tom Bombadil. I think we already said yeah, Tom Bombadil, yeah. and a handful of Rangers of the North. And it's go for your life, see what you can do with it. And turns out you can do a lot with it. Mm. You can, it's the way it moves with having two free might points a turn means you can do some really funky move marches, my favorite kind of thing, really messes with priority. You can do some really funky disengages and the channel nature's wrath into someone's army. Oh, mm. oh, it's, it's rude. Harry, it's, it's it's really really rude. It is rude. It's oh. probably the rudest thing I've ever done in a game. Although to be fair, Nature's Wrath's just been curtailed a slightly. It has been it has been nerfed. It, t- it took a, a three inch nerf, and I still think it is it, it's good. It's it's still really good. Like even a three, yeah, okay. You have to make yourself a bit more vulnerable to get it off. But it's AOE, yeah. and you know what we think about AOE. It's it's AOE. Anything AOE is amazing. And that's area of effect, I'm guessing. Yes, that is area of effect. Just, just in case people Dip- don't know the uh, the yeah. <laughs> various dipping acronyms. Into, dipping into my World of Warcraft, uh, right. ye old school lore there. I was going to say, I just need to get my Green Dragon uh, dictionary printout out and yes. fold them. No, that was, but uh, the, the reason we're doing this podcast, because uh, until now I, I've featured in the Green Dragons podcast. Yes. But uh, we haven't had a chance to uh, feature a Green Dragon in the Entmoot podcast. And Ardacon, while you're in the country, it seems yes. rude not to do something. So um, this is a special sort of 
of one-off mini-podcast where uh, we'll be following the exploits of uh, a couple of green dragons throughout the uh, the various different games you're playing in. And it seems right to start with Kylie because you're taking part in not just uh, one competitive tournament but two very competitive tournaments. You've got a knockout and you've got the uh, main Articon event. So um, let's just dive straight into it. The first thing you'll be playing tomorrow morning is a knockout championship against all of the winners of the SPG yes. championships around the world. How, uh, how are you feeling about this? I am more nervous than the seventh round championship match I had to play last year against Jay. I am more nervous playing round one for this invitational and, and that's saying quite a bit because you, you were yeah. nervous last year i was very nervous like nervous you didn't even know it was going to happen did you no i didn't like it was kind of like a threw threw me out and i actually had to walk away from the tournament for 10 minutes just to catch my breath because i was i was on the verge of having a panic attack like in in our hotel room i was about to have a panic attack so i'm like i need to i need to calm calm down like get that under control and then i didn't get it under control i threw super hard i made a really silly error and when I tried to fix that silly error with some 50-50s, lost both of them in a row, and that's all she wrote. Yeah. I mean, if you ever watch that game on YouTube, you'll, you'll, you'll see the mistakes pretty quickly. Mm. And my run rule, don't put the game on a 50-50. And you put it on two. I put it on two, and that was even worse. <laughs> it was even worse. Uh, well, we, we can move on from that now. But you, so you, you're nervous. Let's, let's, yes, let's put it that I'm way. Nervous. I'm and, nervous. And I'm guessing you don't really have an idea who uh, you're playing against, although you know that they're Norwegian and you know their yes, name. Yes, I, I know their name. I think I've met them. I met them today earlier in the hotel just mingling and stuff, but we really didn't have a chat. So, look, it's Masters. Everyone who's playing in this has won a major tournament before just to qualify. So... Everyone's going to know their stuff. So it's going to be one of those kind of uh, games where you're going to have to come out swinging and you, you, got, you can't hold anything back. you got to go balls to the wall straight from the get-go. So. And you're going to be playing against... I mean, obviously, last year it was a different edition, so there's going to be the whole edition change since then. For And you might not perhaps know what the European uh, uh, meta is. Uh, so yeah. there's lots to think about, I'm guessing. The, the meta interests me. I'm not 100% worried. Well, I'm a little... I'm cautious of it, I guess, would be the best word. I have no idea what to expect mm. from army lists that I'm going to come across. I don't know if the um, pure 100% army bonus is going to come into play a lot, if there's going to be some, um, you know, uh, zombie lists in there with, you know, different parts from different army lists. I have no idea what to expect. Mm. And i kind of just taking a bit of Jeremy's advice here and just uh, playing to my own strengths, looking at what my army list can do and the practice games I've played with it. And I've got some serious practice with the lists that I'm taking. So I'm hoping just to kind of, yeah, just... Ace it. I think. Ace it, yeah. Well, just kind of go in and play my game and not let my opponent's strategy and army and play style and stuff psych me out. Because I, I do like the new edition. Mm. And... Yeah, I think that our playstyle, the Australian playstyle, whatever you want to call it, is is different enough to throw some people off. So I'm hoping that maybe a bit of a psychological warfare with you know oh, she played second last year, yeah. maybe that will seep in a bit of my opponent's head. I don't know. We'll I guess we'll find out tomorrow morning how much uh, you know we're going to be getting into each other's head because I think uh, I think that the mental 
You want to be laying the groundwork yeah. at the bar tonight, yeah. saying well, uh, so introdu- introducing some sort of well, uh, mind mind wars. I reckon Matt, Matt has been playing a great hype man so far. <laughs> He's been talking me up something fierce, and you know, I'm it's 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 a really weird feeling having to step into this kind of a a space and this kind of a tournament with a whole country mm. kind of behind you. I've been getting messages after the past couple of days from friends back home even family from back home who know nothing about the game but they just know that i'm doing this yeah. and just like do awesome you, you know do it. you can yeah. do it <laughs> believe in you go kylie go you know all this other stuff well so. look 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 the M- and, and listeners are going to be cheering you on uh, if not i'll come and chase them down so uh, but <laughs> well, the, the thing we've haven't chatted about uh, so far is is the list that you're going to be taking tomorrow morning yeah. so i mean we don't have to get into your if it's the, the same list as your uh, your the one on uh, saturday sunday um i get i i, I realize it might you might have differences but could you give us an idea, um, first of all, what what you're actually taking tomorrow? I can. Is it, I've got a question there. Is this is this cast going to be out tomorrow morning? No, no, okay. no. The, I, I'm right. hoping to. Well. Ca- I'm going to catch you after after the day. Hopefully, maybe even between okay. games so tomorrow. Well, I'll, I'll come straight out. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll just drop what I've, I'm taking straight onto the table. So, first of all, both my open list and my invitational list are different. Ooh. They're different. I did not go with the same list twice. I don't know, because is the open... Are they different points levels? The same points levels, but different formats, so I can take different lists. And I don't think people, anyone else in the Masters list is doing that. I think everyone in the Masters list is taking the same list. Mm. across. And part of this is um, I want to play one thing and not let people get used to that and then go and play the second kind of stage of the tournament, knowing what that list can already do. I want to kind of mix things up a bit. And I think I'm taking enough of an oddball choice with my open list to mix things up but I can't, we're on tenterhooks right. what, what's all the right. list I've been drawing it out long, long, long. <laughs> alright so first of all I'm taking Angmar okay nasty nasty Angmar I think it is filthy shades no filthy shades oh. not a single shade to be seen mm. my army leader is the witch king of Angmar because of course he is uh, three, with the crown with the crown, we we oh <laughs> we definitely want that. Crown and horse didn't get the blade though. Didn't quite have the points. Mm-hmm. Uh, three fifteen three, so a bit of a beat stick there. You can fight some combats. You can cast some spells. There isn't much this witch king can do. And then we get to the other heroes. We got a Barrowite, a captain, twenty eight orcs with mostly with spear and shield. Three wild riders with throwing spear and shield. Three Spectres and the Peace de l'Existence. Gulliver, the Terror of Arnold. Ooh, you don't see a lot of Gulliver on the table. Now, this is interesting. No. So just give us an idea. What, what are your thoughts around this? How, how are you envisaging it working on the table? So Gulliver is an absolute powerhouse. I, I'll be honest. He is, he is stupid. He is all kinds of stupid. He is 200 points for... A, a supercharged eagle, if you will. He's fight seven. He's strength eight, which is grossly overpowered. His courage can't be manipulated because it's always equal to his wound. He's got good attacks equal to his wounds, and he's got four wounds. He's got like four attacks, which is ridiculous. Three might. He's he doesn't have strike, but that's okay because we have paralyze and transfixion the witch king over the back to just lock down those you know you know the the standard fight six heroes once you get transfixed or paralyzed Gulliver's just going to eat you up and that's kind of where the, the list is it's all about supporting Gulliver it's all about buying him time it's all about tempo we come back to my mm-hmm. three little words and in fact it actually uses all three of the th- kind of things I've been talking about in the last year um, to its I guess highest potential it's about buying tempo for 
for Gulliver to do his scene, to get in there, to kill stuff. It's about using the Witch King and the Barrowite to sap all my opponent's resources so that they don't have anything to go at Gulliver with. And it's all about positioning with the basic orcs and just getting in good, good engagements with them. Because all of the games I've been playing with this, I have been, every game has surprised me with just how well the parts of the army mm. just functions together. And I'm really looking forward to playing it. Well, it sounds because it sounds like you're going to have enough tro- easily enough troops. What was it? Do you say thirty or so? I orcs, have thirty-eight it? models in my army. Yeah. So that's that's a that's, good chunk. That's a great number, and you've but you've got a witch king and a massive monstery terror of Arnor, yes. as well as the paralyzed. So yeah, it seems like you've got quite a lot going on. I, I guess have you got a banner in there anywhere? Or? Yeah, got a banner in there as well. Uh, of course, like as we said, banners are, are absolutely amazing, and even just a basic orc banner is going to be. Is going to be pretty pretty important, especially because it gives Gulliver and the Witch King an extra attack when they charge. And you're also causing terror with the normal troops within range of the Witch King and the the shade, uh, not the shade, the uh, the Barrowite and Gulliver. Gulliver's a spirit, so Gulliver, the Witch King, and the Barrowite all make my orcs cause terror, and that includes the orc captain and the Wag Riders. Mm. So everything in this army has the ability to cause terror, and with Harbinger of Evil just being overlaid from the Witch King and the and Gulliver, it really can do some really messy things with opponents' armies in, in terms of courage and stuff. This is sounding nasty. What are you scared about playing against? Is it the players, or are there any particular lists that you're thinking, or oh, I don't want to face this? There is one thing in the game that I I'm probably going to... I'm going to have to take some serious mental fortitude to calm myself down, and that is a Iron Hills Ballista. That's the one thing I'm worried about, simply because it can always go on the back of the board. And because Gully has no fate, it's... It's an insta-kill, isn't it? Yeah, it's an insta-kill. It's basically, for once you've run the math through it, it's a 1 in 10 chance to win the game on the first shot. Do you want to take a 1 in 10 chance? And then there's the second shot after that. Yeah, I'm hoping that the second shot's not going to actually happen, um, simply because um, March move with a 12-inch flyer with a possible specter or compel that puts me into the range of you know 26 inches plus so unless we're playing something like reconnoiter it's yeah it's it's going to be rough so there's there's a couple of bad matchups um if i ever deploy against on the 12-inch line against the ballista i'll be fine it's when i'm in the back of the board and he's in the back of the board Mm and I have to charge headlong into the blister because there's nowhere for me to hide on the table. I mean, the ballista's taken a nerf as well, but, I mean, it's the, just the points increase. It hasn't actually changed how yeah. powerful the, uh, the the machine itself is. So so I guess that's still a, a worry. And, for, for, yeah, for something like that, then that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. Tough nut to crack. It, it is. Um, I'm just hoping that I can just play the scenario out and win with the Orcs and the Witch King. I do have a plan B and a plan C going into those kind of a matches so i'm i'm okay there i'm not too worried about most other things in the game because one thing i found with the list is as long as you get gulliver to late game you're pretty well set um just because he's he's regen to just you know heal off those incidental wounds that might come from just really weird places is really really useful he's just got so much raw power in his stats the fly is just dumb <laughs> on top of his stats already and he's just I think I think the best way to describe it is what um, Nick, who's a, who occasionally appears on our podcast, um, has told me what my list. This was last Monday. Um, he said, "This list is filthy. I can't do anything." And that kind of sums up what the list does. It just it locks you down simply because 
how threatening Gulliver can be into anywhere in your opponent's army. You can engage from high, engage from side, and it limits what you can do as as, as an opponent coming into mm. it. You can't just recklessly move forward. And if you recklessly move forward, I can just swoop in with Gulliver and just insta-gib someone like that. And I've been talking to some people about like Resolve and other fun things like that. And, you know, we've I've got strategies to deal with that, you know, hands-off approach and just, you know, let the Resolve resolve <laughs> and not do anything and then cast a spell's next turn and yeah. stuff or even just muscle through it. Because the funny thing is, and I'm hoping this doesn't get leaked out. But the funny thing, the funny thing about the army list is, if you resist on a spell on a six, that's the worst case scenario. The best case scenario is you resist the spell on a four or a five and use might to block the spell. Going onto the ground or like the spell going off or whatever is not what I want when I'm casting spells at you. What I want is for you to spend might to resist the spell mm. because once your might goes your ability to deal with Gulliver disappears and your ability to fight him back on equal footing disappears because if you don't have any might you got nothing you can throw to get through a fight seven monster with four wounds and I've seen Gully survive a head on charge from from Gilgalad simply because he went cool witch king transfix paralyzed suddenly Gilgalad ran out of might Threw a defense up, yeah. and Gully's down. Like, uh, sorry, Gilgalad's down. So, yeah. well, well, Carly, we've heard the list. So the next time we're going to hear from you will be after your first game, hopefully, if I can find you, and it doesn't clash. But we'll we'll have a chat. So we'll come back, and we'll be transported through time, and we'll be finding out how if that confidence you've got right now uh, has uh, lived up to its dreams. Uh, we'll, you and me both. I will be interested to see how my first game goes. I think that's going to be the hardest. Is the first game, you know, not so much shaking the cobwebs, but settling in on the horse, letting things start and actually play out. Hope, fingers crossed, we get a good scenario. Fingers crossed. All right, we'll talk to you in a bit. So, game one of the doubles, um, and we're playing heirlooms of ages past against Ta- Tanya and Andre um, and just first of all could you quickly run through your halves of the army so Tanya you so first. my half is Aristotle leading 12 elves then I've got Kurdan leading I think it's 8 elves and 2 Riverdale knights so the Riverdale knights are literally there to add speed and mobility and the rest is just basically a core force that sits together and just shoot, either shoots or fights its way up the field Okay, and Andre? My force contains of Legolas with 13 elves and Tauriel with 3 rangers. So the main force is Legolas supporting Tanya's high elves and Tauriel with rangers is just running for objectives. Yes, yeah, so literally just four on their own. And uh, that is kind of what happened in, in many ways. So heirlooms, of course, you have to roll the dice and, and in the first turn, or it was, it was pretty, pretty close to the start, you guys got the heirlooms in a place that nobody was really expecting. Second, second turn. Yeah, I mean, was that... What were you actually aiming to do uh, if, if that wasn't the case? Because that really did help. But uh, what, were you, what was your plan? Did you have a plan? We did have a plan. The plan was basically keep the combat where it was, mm. but we were going to leave the single to- uh, victory token up by the woods that we had, and we were going to leave that one to right to the end. And we were envisaged 
legless on his horse to go around and just literally just we're just going to activate the rest of them so by default it was there mm. so once Terriel was there she could just pick it straight up and just pop in the woods and she was fine safe mm. that was basically our plan yeah so I mean what because once you got it it was great but uh, as Jasmine will attest to um, we I think personally uh, there was a bit of vic- victim on my on my behalf I was I was really devastated by Bowfire yeah I mean Tanya's shooting was pretty insane I think it was like seven half guard were taken out by just a group of like five elves like oh that's madness it, it was pretty pretty filthy I mean you'll attest to the fact that those well, were yeah I'm shooting pretty filthy yeah uh, yeah you, you were running it's a classic elf move it, I'm gonna shoot you while you run and, and strangely uh, strangely they they managed to kill very few elves mm. your elves but they they certainly had a taste for the dwarven yeah. blood yeah they sh- really sh- struggled to shoot the other elves but they were shooting at waist height hits the dwarf in the head but misses the other elves <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and uh, in terms of what what sort of happened from there on we've got these oaths that we have to finish or uh, for sort of extra vps in the tournament and uh, what was your oath what were you trying to do as a secondary objective so our secondary objective was to try and wipe out one half of the enemy force completely so that was why in the last couple of turns we were just trying to concentrate on the elves mm. just to remove them yeah that seems like a wise idea, going for the elves over the dwarves. Yes, because uh, in other scenarios it might be really hard to wipe out one of the force. So we thought that it's best to try to achieve this objective in this scenario, heirlooms of ages past, because if one force deploys separately and another force deploys on another side of the board, then you might actually try to kill one force before the another runs to it. Yeah, that seems sensible. And um, we, we went with the aim of trying to have our heroes kill... Um, an an enemy hero each so glad I mean we've got to do it at some point Galadriel unarmed of course has to at some point kill a hero we thought there's Curdan on the table this is the time to do it yeah you know like boxing match um, but unfortunately Curdan didn't want to meet us in a one on one Yeah. I mean let's face it he couldn't even cast blinding light for two turns in a row so (laughs) yeah he was although there was a chance right in the last moment you threw Curdan into into the combat to try and kill Galadriel we thought hey Galadriel's got a chance to bop him on the nose yeah, I had it, had faith in her, but she didn't roll that six, and she'd have got it because they didn't get a six. So yeah, it was it was a close one, and um, but in the end, um, you know, I ended up with I've got I think twelve of my half guard died out of fifteen, including a Kazard and a Banner died. So the only dwarves left on the table were two Kazard guards, two or three Kazard guards, something like that, uh, Durin and uh, and a dwarf warrior. So I mean, it was. It was a, a pretty well-fought match. It was a bloodbath, but a, a, a fantastic victory to you. I think it was 9-1 in the end. It was 9-1 in the end. It was, it was actually... It, it literally all pivoted around the the objective in yeah. the end. Yeah, and then it being so lucky getting it, you used, it would have been a lot closer... You, it just literally all depended on who rolled the six. Yeah, and, th- and that's the thing, you know, we've, we've got a, one, one victory point just for having a banner remaining on the board. But, but I mean, Tariel's off wandering around, prancing in the woods with the, with the objective. So uh, you did well to just drag her away there. Yes, for me, it was only one roll on the beginning of the game that actually set the game because later Legolas cannot hit and cannot kill anything. But that one roll for Tauriel is was just enough to win. Well, well done, guys. You played really well, and uh, it was a pleasure to play you both. It was a pleasure to play you. Thanks, nice to meet you. Hope Thank we you. all meet you both in the singles. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Jasmine, again for encouraging the uh, the the loss. Despite that, you know, we we, we tried our hardest. Well, it happens, so yeah. we'll just move on to the next one now. No oaths, very, very few victory points, but we're still going to aim for the top. 
absolutely. You can give me your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. Right. Kylie, we're on uh, game. We've just had game one of the Masters. I've been playing Chaos and Ardor all morning. How'd you go, by the way? Uh, I, I did. I was third, so I got I, yeah, not great. I had hobbits and uh, Dunedain Rangers, and they were all just getting minced by two Boromirs on the table, which was oh, no. which was good fun. But and oh, no. they struggled in terms of wandering around, uh, getting objectives yeah. and all that sort of stuff because they got little legs, bless them. But but that's 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 not the competitive stuff. We're right. not we're not talking about that. That's just a bit of fluff and fun. You've been playing the Masters, yes, and we we heard about your your list a few minutes ago in the podcast but now uh, you've had a chance to play Norway in the first round I'll first before Norway first round before yes. you uh, reveal what happened and um, because this could be the end of the podcast we yes, don't know it could be, uh, it could it could be. be. Yeah. before just to give us an idea what Norway took Norway had uh, Gandalf the Grey on horse with a bunch of militia uh, a militia captain with a bunch of militia then this is where the list gets nasty uh, he then had Gloin uh, leading a bunch of Iron Hills, uh, you know, Shield Spear, Hey Look At Us, We're Defense 8. Wow. Yeah. Bunch of them. Uh, and then he also had Arwen uh, leading a couple of knights and some Fight 5 Spearmen. So, wow. Yeah, it was, it was, I looked at it and went, okay, I've got to do some serious, serious Kylie finagling <laughs> to, 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 to get up here. Because I knew my orcs will more often than not, you know, beat up the, the, um, uh, late town, but they'll lose pretty pretty bad to the uh, yeah. to to the elves and the dwarves. That's an unusual list, though. That I it mean, was. I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not wrong in thinking that that's an unusual combination: elves, dwarves, and late town militia. But um, but yeah, it sounds it sounds like it potential has potential. It had potential. Uh, we had we were playing Reconnoiter, so we both the, had the to, one you were worried about. Yeah, the one I was worried about. I was just glad that he didn't take the ballista because it got nerfed because that would have changed the game completely. So. We deployed in. I was. I honestly, I'll be honest. I played the early game really sloppy. I did really sloppy stuff early game, um, to the point where we were down to a 50-50 with Arwen within 10 inches of the board edge on Ashvaloft. Now I had it boxed off, but it was not looking good. I won the 50-50 and then mopped up that flank with Arwen and Gloin. Uh, but the real heroes of that game was my right flank, which consisted of five orcs, a Wargrider, my banner and four orcs with shield. Wow. And they held off the entire Laytown militia force by themselves. They just picket lined it, they shielded when they need to. The orcs, the orcs won that game for me hands down. You like, didn't see on the radio, my, my eyebrow went straight yeah, up there. I was yeah, like, wow, was, that, that's an impressive. Was, they, they did superbly well. They held off for the exact number of turns they needed to hold off. And actually towards the end there, I managed to get some uh, tempo back. Uh, one of our favourite words uh, from the Witch King. He was able to duck over, get a couple of key black darts, which then swung that flank into my favour. And after Gulivar munched his left flank, came in, uh, came into the middle, and he mopped up. But the, I think the game-winning move, the game-winning move was a heroic combat from the Witch King and my orc captain. So I moved all the way outside, moved all the way to the flanks, and then ran all my fast stuff into the middle. <laughs> with the captain and uh, the witch king and then a heroic combated straight down the middle of the table and the captain just went cool I have two might points still I'm going to heroic move uh, get within 15 inches of the board edge and then I'm just going to march off next turn when there is no hero near me that has might because uh, Gandalf blew through his might really really quickly um, mostly to resist uh, your staff is broken from the witch king and the witch king once once Gandalf you know was out of will there was a point in the game where Gandalf was out of will and I'm just like 
All right, here we go. Your staff is broken, two dice, roll the snake eyes, and then crown a morgul into the six. Oh, and that's, no. that's why <laughs> you take the crown of morgul. That's, that's the why you there. take the crown of morgul. So, so, I mean, you, you can tell from your, your enthusiasm that you've won the game. Yes. How, what was the score in the end? It was 8-0, uh, but that, that didn't really kind of uh, show how close that game was. Because mm. as I said, Arwen and two knights, well, Arwen and one knight, because I killed one. Arwen and one knight were within 10 inches of the board edge. If, any one of, if both of them got off, it would have been a win. Uh, to him, if one of them got off, I think I might have had it on a uh, tiebreak because I had gotten off the, with the captain at one turn earlier. But it was it was a bit dicey for me just towards the end. There. It was a bit too close for comfort. But the victory, you're through yeah. to the quarterfinals, yes. and uh, I think you're playing Italy. I'm playing Italy. I don't know what they're taking. Did you, at the did you manage to scout over to their table and have a sneaky look before well, you? Well, not quite. So I'm going to run upstairs. I'm going to get my phone. I'm going to have a look on Tournay uh. to see what their list is because apparently it's gone live now. So. We'll see how we go against Italy. Right, you've only got a few minutes to, yeah. uh, to di- dissect their list and work out your strategy. So, Kylie, uh, we'll chat to you, hopefully, yeah. after the, the, the winning quarterfinal and taking you through to the next round. Your, your competitor, Jay, uh, from last year, who yes. uh, you, you famously played at the, uh, in the final uh, championship round in yeah. the last year, uh, he got a bye this round, so he's, yes, he but he's now in the pool. Um, so the pool. so there's, there's some big players still in there, uh, so lots to play for, Kylie. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's going to be a, a rough road to going forward from here, but, you know, I'm going to do my best, and if I get knocked out, I get knocked out, but if I do well and manage to get another win, we'll see how far we can I take it. I think the chant last year was, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! Oi, oi, oi! So game two in doubles, Lords of Battle, replacing uh, playing a family, family affair with Crispin and Sam Farbrother, um, and... Just first of all, could you, Crispin, sum up what your army is in sort of general terms? I've got a Mordor army with the Mouth of Sauron, a troll, some black guard, and, and plenty of orcs. Yeah. And then the other half uh, is Amder and a whole bunch of black dragon cat- cataphracts. Yeah, so a mounted contingent and a, and a heavily armoured contingent. First of all, I'm intrigued. When you saw the Dwarf Elf Alliance on the other side of the battlefield, what did you think, Crispin? I'm always worried about elves. I don't, uh, li- don't like elves, it's just something. Something in me that says, ooh, nasty elves, nasty yeah. elves. Yeah, I don't like elves either, but I don't mind them spear-supporting my dwarves. And uh, <laughs> dwarves I'm quite happy with, because a troll can smash dwarves. Mm. Yeah, and uh, uh, Sam, what did you think to the uh, when you saw the Delft Dwarf Alliance? Uh, that you got no men or orcs or goblins, so my black dragon's going to be love fight. Yeah, so you're in a tricky situation. And Jasmine, just sum up the, the first major thing that happened was the... the we sort of blocked off a bit of terrain in a corridor. So just explain why we did that and what happened there, Ron. Uh, yeah, so it's one of those ones where, because it's Lord the Battle, we get to deploy our army together. So they had no shooting. So we thought, well, let them come to us, take a few shots. But most importantly, um, set up in a gap where we can get the dwarves on the front, the elves on the back, and just how we want them, really, in those nice ranks. So it was a big advantage to get that, really. And, and I suppose the big first move that we did was uh, we compelled or I can't remember whether it was the sentinel in the end and um, compelled that troll into the into the front and then just ended up surrounding it with a Durin and a couple of Khazard guard and and I think to be honest Crispin I think you were uh, uh, you were saddened as soon as that happened you, you completely changed the game when you took the troll out because the troll was going for your flank with the rest of the orcs going for your flank and I think we would have got you mm. if you hadn't have taken that troll out I think yeah you'd have, you'd have had the wrens or you'd have had the hurls to hoil down that line and just disrupt everything and well that's why we prioritise it really yeah definitely it was a real game changer taking that troll out because without that we were left without any heavy muscle mm. 
and, that, and that's that's part of it, I suppose. But it, it has been a really tense game because there's there was just such a, a huge melee in the middle uh, in that block stopgap and you, you really made us play for in terms of how to line up our, our troops and, and get everything sorted and um, what, what did you find difficult in the game? Because you took in that little corridor and used the scenery really well we couldn't get the cavalry through in numbers to take your flanks out so we're basically hitting a deadline of, of dwarves followed by elves followed by pikes yeah. and uh, you can't just get your cavalry into big lines like that. And that was the idea behind the list was Defence 7 and uh, high fight value backing up Desmond yeah and it worked even better than I thought because um, the Gladrum Knights uh, now the only ones to get the cavalry move in the woods we could put them in the woods the Easterlings couldn't charge in and we could just wait and then just pounce on them yeah. so that was a bonus really yes yeah, so we took out some of the cavalry charge bonuses and then um, we eventually uh, realised that we needed to finish off all the Easterlings to get our oath. We made an oath to uh, kill one contingent of the army uh, and we managed to just in the last turn finish off the last of the Easterlings to take that oath and also a 12-0 victory because we tripled your, your wound tally as well. So uh, although, like we say, it doesn't, sound, uh, it doesn't sound like a close match, it really was tense and particularly the, the, the movements in that gap, though, you really, really were making us think, Crispin. Yes, I mean, that corridor of using the scenery is really well done by you, and we really had to try and get behind you to uh, start splitting your army. And we did it to a certain degree, and Gorbag, I think, did brilliantly. What was your, what was your oath? Uh, to kill half of your guys. Right. But because you kept them together, we just couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. No, there, there was no chance you were getting behind the dwarf line to get any of the elves, and then the front line of doors is so hard. Yes. Yeah, yeah it, definitely. definitely. Our, our oath was beaten when, once we started seeing you, the way you set yourself up and the way you'd use the scenery. Yeah. Well, Crispin and Sammy, it's been a, fa- a fab game and a tough one. Well, well fought, but yeah, uh, unlucky with a 12-0 loss there. Yeah, no, it was, very, it was a brilliant game. You're right, it didn't feel like 12-0, and, uh, but... You won the game, so well done. <laughs> Thanks very much, Chris. Well done, Sammy, there. Uh, just, uh, just before we go, because you've stepped off for a side, um, did, was there anything you found particularly difficult about this game, or maybe any big lessons you've learnt in it? Um, the elves are a pain, and I need more Easterlings. You need more Easterlings, yeah. More models to deal with the higher elf fight value, so when they do kill you, it's not as much of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a phalanx of Easterlings yes. next time. Yes. Yeah. Good man. All right, well done, though, Sammy. Unlucky. Thank you. You can kick your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. So, the continuation of the Masters, the quarterfinal has just finished. Big question is, has our green dragon managed to survive Kylie? First of all... Just yes. uh, give us an idea. It was an Italian you were playing. What, were, what, were, what were they, uh, what were they uh, well, using? turns out that we both have very good taste because we both had a 3-might, 15-wheel, 3-fate Witch King. So with the crown, because we always have the crown. I don't of feel course. Like, yes. So we, we had that. Uh, he had that. He also had a Dark Marshal on our horse as well. And he had Shagrat War Leader. And to round out the list... He decided to throw 41 models on the table and a banner. So lots of orcs and like smattering of, you know, some of the really annoying uh, black Numenorians and the black guard and some water Urukai and some Moranans and some orcs. Just a bit of everything, really. So I kind of looked at his list and went, oh, I think 
I think I can take this. I need to get a good engage. I need to make sure I position well and you know get. Well, some I suppose you've got the monster there. He hasn't got anything massive that yeah, can take down the monster. Yeah, I'm going to get into that because yeah. this this is this was really interesting. So I got really lucky with the spectre. I managed to finagle a uh, uh, the guys in front of the banner out of the way and then lured forth the uh, the banner bearer. He came flying forward and the witch king's right gone right four wheel and a might point bang pops the uh pops the banner in uh one turn it took me five turns to pull it off but eventually got there at that point chris who lovely guy has a great mind he didn't just fall into my trap but once he lost the banner he's like i'm on the clock now aren't i and i'm like you certainly are and he had to come forward at that point because i still had a banner alive he came forward into the middle and got this kind of really wonky engage around one of the Skilliath ruins, uh, which was kind of in my favor because the Terra was doing all the work this game. And then I got really, really lucky. Well, not really lucky, but got lucky, got a Spectre pull forward. Gulliver jumped on him with the captain and then the captain went, hey, Gulliver, that's a Shagrat over there. He's the one thing in that army that can really mess up our lines. And Gulliver's like, yeah, captain, you're right. So... I know Jeremy's going to, like, maybe be a bit disappointed with this move, but I thought it was a, a good move going forward in the game. Jumped Gulliver over the top, jumped onto Shagrat, rolled dice, and I'm thinking, ah, oh, maybe I'll have to use a mind point or two. Combat dice rolls. I roll a three high. Mm-hmm. He rolls a three high. Okay. Six dice each. He uses all his might. I use all my might. So now I have a Gulliver... He's not quite in no man's land because the captain followed him forward and one of the war riders to prevent him from getting trapped in the following turns. Um, but I did get Shagrat and took Shagrat off the ball for full stats. So nice big flash kill right there. And that was pretty much that was whoa. That was pretty much the game at that point. Because what that then meant was the Dark Marshal and the Witch King had to use their remaining might, which was uh, three between the two of them, and spells to lock down Gulliver. Mm. And the ability for Gulliver to just tank or semi-off-tank the Witch King and the Dark Marshal for a total of four turns was all the help, all I needed for that game because it meant the Witch King could zip around the side. You know, he started getting a couple of kills a turn, just putting on some really nasty pressure. Um, And then I was able to really min-max the the combat lines because I still had my Barrow White alive. He was out of will, Mm. but he was still alive. And at that point, the Terror was just screwing up his lines so much that my Orcs were just surviving. And then once the Witch King got in with the Warg Riders, it was just, right, let's roll up this flank. He did eventually bring down Gulliver and my Captain, but at that point in the game, he had just lost too many models. He was broken. He only had the Witch King left. Um, he tried for a Hail Mary blacked out on my banner, flopped the dice rolls, something chronic. I just realised, I don't know what the scenario was in your one. It was one. to the death, sorry, to, to the death. Okay, sorry, yeah. yeah, I guess it would have missed yeah. the banner one, but we were playing heirlooms for uh, the doubles, yeah. so I, 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 yeah. also a banner one. But so, is that, so, what was the score in the end? Nine zip, my favour, because uh, I bro- bro- broke him and quartered him and had the banner alive, so yeah, it was... Hold on. So, uh, so we were talking about the the scenario uh, before the. There was yes. lots of commentary in here. So, the, the to the death and uh, nine zip. You said nine zip. So it probably didn't indicate how 
kind of tactical the start of the game was and the decisions that we made. But yeah, it was a good result for me to kind of pick up through the game. I was always angling to, to quarter him first. And the tie break for the game, in case it was a draw, was uh, who broke their opponent first or killed the leader the first. So breaking my opponent was always the number one goal. And if you're throwing all your big hitters into Gulabar to try and slow him down, you, you're you're losing just a lot of tempo there. So I guess I guess that the part of your strategy here is almost sending a, a bat over the lines to to kind of distract the big heroes in a way. Although yeah. obviously they were doing he was doing damage. Yeah, it, I was I was so scared when I jumped him over the lines because I was like I, I was I was confident he wasn't going to get trapped, but I was like this is kind of the thing that Jeremy didn't want me to do, and kind of what we practiced was a bad idea to do. But once we kind of once I I jumped him over, I realized. He's going to have to throw the kitchen sink at it. And he doesn't quite have everything he needs to really, really deal with him at that point. So I'm like, I think this is a calculated risk. I think this is a good spot that I can fight from. I don't need Gulliver. I can switch to plan B, and which I did. I did a seamless switch to plan B. Witch King was on the on the money at that point. And it was everyone back up the Witch King. Everyone go help out. Peel combats and just min-max everything as best as we could. Well, Kylie, uh, you're now in the semi-finals. Semi-finals, yeah. Do you know who you're playing against? I'm playing against Spain. I have no idea of... Uh, I can't pronounce their name, so I'm not going to try. Um, I don't know their army, and I don't know the scenario. So I guess we'll find out in kind of like the next 15 minutes or so yeah. uh, how this game's going to play out, what well, we're doing. Yes, to be fair, at the moment, um, your opponents have all been largely nameless because yeah. we haven't named any of them. Uh, Chris, Chris was my uh, second-round opponent. Okay. He was the uh, Italian, and I had Sebastian who is the uh, Polish Norwegian. Oh, fantastic. Well, either way, Kylie, you're doing well. You're doing Green Dragon proud, so, uh, yeah. and you're doing Australia proud. So uh, on to the next round. Good luck. Thank you very much. So the final game of the doubles tournament, we're playing Damien and uh, Bartosz, uh, who've come all the way from uh, Poland, all the way from Poland. Um, and first of all, um, uh, Bartosz, uh, could you... Uh, Damien. Damien, sorry, wrong way around. Uh, Damien, uh, could you just uh, tell me your army list? What, what's in the army list? So, there was uh, Goblin King, Grinach, uh, Captain, Gollum, and a co- bunch of goblins. Yeah. And the second half was Witch King, uh, Shade, and two Barrow Whites. So, this is an un- unusual uh, mixture that perhaps you might not always see, but that Shade and the, uh, the, the Barrow Whites and the Witch King is forming quite an interesting combination with the goblins. And um, what's the idea behind it? The uh, idea was to make all the ults because we have two strong leaders to kill enemy heroes, leaders, shade to lower your uh, dice, so you spend the mites, and it's pretty easy to kill with these guys. And Barrow White Witch King to, to knock you down, paralyze, transfix, that's pretty and we have a lot of models mm. anyway so uh, the idea was to make out the oaths and win out right so you you bought this with a with the purpose of winning getting the oaths first of all yes, uh, and then yes. then playing the game the second almost yes, yes. and and w- when you saw uh, what what army uh, when you saw what army we'd brought what did you think did you were you scared were you happy excited you know what what were you thinking I think it's a good matchup because uh, you have uh, one combat hero and we have uh, three mages in and shade. And 
plan is simple. Go to the center of the board, pick up uh, treasure, and uh, try to kill our uh, your roster. Uh, and, and to be fair, that is exactly what happened. It took quite a long time for you to get the uh, the prize, yeah. but eventually you got it. And just the weight of numbers. I mean, we only managed to kill two goblins out of your whole army, which which is insane. And that that shade that shade was just causing all sorts of problems for us. It was essential, basically. Without it, do you think you'd have been able to win? Uh, I have uh, good rolls to kill. Kazakh guards, I also must, uh, must roll six to kill those models. Uh, but we have a nice strategy. We have uh, Grinach, Goblin Captain, and Gollum, who under the shade uh, can win fight and uh, use might to increase uh, roll to wound. Yeah. yeah, so you took out three or four of those in the first couple of turns and then, then we were really on the back foot from, from then on. Um, so uh, overall, I mean, a 12-0 victory uh, uh, to you, so well done, guys. Um, what, what, uh, so what does that bring you to in total for the, throughout the whole tournament? Is that three wins, three oves? Uh, two wins, 12-0 and 12. Right, okay, so you're, you're, you've done really well then. So is this the sort of army you're bringing tomorrow to uh, each of you for the main event or have you... Built this specifically for the doubles. Uh, we take, uh, as maybe I take uh, from my main army of Ardakon, the, these guys. Uh, we have barrel whites. and we have witch king. Right. Okay. So fewer barrel whites, more more goblins, fewer barrel whites. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and is the same with you? Uh, I play uh, Italian Rangers. Right. Legion Dalur Legion. Right. Okay. That's fantastic. Well, guys, it was a really tense, really tough game. Uh, I really appreciate your, your, your game. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, so, Jasmine, a, a sort of a final, uh, final talk over what happened there. I mean, it's fair to say we got panned, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like we played badly. Yeah, it's definitely a strong list, and it's one of those lists where you've got to take your advantages early because you need to get them to be broken because then their courage is going to hurt. And we lost the important roll-off with the prize, um, which was always going to be a big thing. So we didn't get that one. And from there, we couldn't really do too much. Yeah, and the, both uh, the Galadriel and Durin were paralysed um, once, Galadriel twice. Um, so the, the, we, we struggled in terms of uh, fending off the magic, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I knew that kind of when we saw it, because they've got three casters in there. And we've only got two heroes, so they're very very easy targets um, so there's only a limited amount we can do with them so yeah yeah and, and then of course uh, with the shade taking away the, the natural advantage of the fight value and the killing power of the dwarves front line and the elves back line we, we were just really on a hiding to nothing I think for most of that game although I mean there were a couple of chances to take down the witch king which we surrounded him a few times and only managed to take off two fake from about five guys surrounding him which was a bit annoying but you know the, these things happen but yeah ultimately they played it really well actually the, the, with the shade we, they, they finished off with using the last point of will on the shade right in the last turn so they, they, they planned it out quite well I think Oh yeah definitely even though they got the roll off um, to get to the prize they certainly built themselves a strong list and um, yeah they definitely played well so I mean, we were quietly confident, uh, thinking of the, the tournament as a whole, we were quite confident. We were thinking this was a strong list, and we've come away with two losses, one of them 12-0, and the other one was similar, wasn't that, 12-1. So, I mean, obviously our confidence was either misfounded or we, we uh, were on the 
sort of the, the wrong side of fortune. Uh, do you think? Do you think it's a bad list still, uh, or do you think it's a bad list or a good list? I definitely still think it's a good list, and don't forget we only played three games, so that's not really a lot to go on in uh, in a team that you've actually not played before. So, no, I think it was a good team, but obviously everyone else here has brought good teams as well. So. Yeah, I think that that's true. And and the first game, I do feel we were on the bad side of luck. Whereas this time, I think it was just a bad matchup for us. We were going to struggle from the start. Um, although some dice obviously didn't go our way, but you know uh, you take take them as you come, really. But yeah, I think it's a good listen. It's been it's been a pleasure playing with you. Oh, I've absolutely enjoyed it. So thanks for being my partner. Thank you. So, final game, Kylie versus Jay in a rematch for to basically sort of reclaim your your glory and and, and to live up to, yes. live up to live that, up that to is, the expectations. That that is an apt description of what that game was to me, and it was a doozy, absolute doozy. So, Jay's army list, we were playing um, uh, season control. So, the five objectives that flip over uh, to who controls it. Uh, he had Elrond. Arwen, uh, both mounted, Kidan and Lindia. So lots of auras, lots of wrath, you know, really frustrating. And then just a bunch of dudes. And whoa, this game, this game was re- really, really interesting. So Jay got really good foresight points. And early on in the game, I it was the way he was set up um, in terms of the table. He was in this really nice uh, kind of... Uh, choke point, really good defensive line, but as I looked at the table, I'm like, he's pretty far back. Mm. He's pretty far, he's, he's, he's not in the best position, so um, I was lucky enough that I went second on the first turn, so Raft didn't really do a whole lot, I think it got one kill, and then Gulvar came in, swooped in, the Witch King decided not, nah, we're not going to worry with, you know, all of these annoying courage and stuff, I'm just going to compel a dude into you. So that's what the Wish King did. He, he, he went in, compelled the dude into himself and into Gulliver, and then Gulliver went, right, time to go bowling. Let's get you off your horse. Threw an L for Elrond, knocked Elrond on his butt. He's now prone, sitting in the middle of no man's land, and Elrond couldn't charge from that point. And from there, it was the hard work of getting small advantages. And that's, I think, kind of what that game was. It was trying to find small advantages wherever I could and just slowly over the game build a little advantage and that turned that little advantage into you know a decent advantage and then that turned that decent advantage into a major advantage and that's kind of the the process i went went through that game and you know what it finally paid off yeah. i got it Woo-hoo. i got the win so you are officially the uh, the world champion well how do you feel yeah, right yeah. now i honestly it still hasn't hit me it hasn't hit me because jay turned around at the end of that game held out his hand and like, that's it i'm quartered game over and I, it, I wasn't expecting it it was it was almost as if someone slapped me and went you're done and I'm like I'm done I was so wired to keep playing this game I was thinking about the next two or three turns and it took me off guard it took me it took me until we went downstairs to have our post-game interview with um the the spin and spf spf andres is gonna butcher me for getting that 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 pronunciation wrong um but yeah I went downstairs and that's when I realized Holy shit! I did it. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to do it, but I did it. 
and, and you can see the beam on your face. You're clearly yeah. happy with this. And um, I mean, how hard was the game against Jay? Because the only I've only played him once, and he absolutely battered me. But I, I'll be honest, he had just a very slightly better version of my list. Yeah. So uh, and I was just dead to rights from the start. But. Um, how hard is it to play a game against Jay? It was. It's. It's. You have to have a plan going in, and you need to have a backup plan for your plan, and then your backup plan needs a backup plan. And I kind of. You kind of just got to take it one step of the game at a time. You kind of got to look at look at the game and go, right. Jay's going to pull stuff off that, you know, he's going to want to do. I'm going to be able to pull stuff off that I want to do. I can't just, you know, run into this game, and you know hope for the best you, you got to kind of build up your plans and stuff and it was it wasn't wasn't an easy game i had to i had to make sure i wasn't making any mistakes wasn't giving any advantages irking out every little thing i could and paid off what was the moment of the match was there a because you, you mentioned bowling elrond and you brought that up was was that the crucial linchpin that moment crucial that was that was kind of setting things in stone i think the moment when i when i kind of said to myself i think i've got it was when Barry Wyatt, the absolute hero of this tournament, yeah. he he has done so much work, it's not funny, uh, went up to Elrond and went, two dice paralyzed, threw a five plus, and I'm like, okay, it's not a six, but, you know, we'll take it. And then Elrond goes, right, my remaining will, and only throws a four. And Elrond... Jay agonized over it for about a, a solid minute whether he should use the point of might and he ended up going with the might point because he's like I can't I can't be paralyzed with the Gulliver on the table yeah I mean that sounds like the right yeah. decision yeah and honestly it probably was I mean maybe he could have done some funky stuff with getting him awake and moving models around him and stuff but he's through the might and once Elrond hit zero might I'm like Gulliver's got this because at that point the only model with might on the table was Gulliver and he had all three and that's that's a it, good position to be in. <laughs> when I was in that position, like oh, strike was always a big thing going into that game. But once once I knew strike was off the table, and Jay was not going to throw a wrath in front of Grubba, I went, I've got it, I've got this. I I I think I can consolidate this win. There was a bit of a hairy moment towards the end where Elrond went in, and he was starting to cut a hole in my orcs. And I'm like, oh shit, get get stuff in behind it, stop him from blowing through my line and getting to my back objectives because they were undefended at that point but Gulliver came in saved the day killed the models he needed to and I got the quarter and, you, and, and the victory so how many what was the score in the end? Uh, it was 9-2 in my favour I had 4 of the objectives Jay had 1 and uh, I broke Jay um, but couldn't touch our run unfortunately so, so now you too difficult to kill too difficult to kill uh, so now you've got the, you've just played with this army with the Gulliver um, are you sort of thinking Maybe I should have brought this for the main event. The or well, for for the, I mean, this you could argue this is maybe. the main event for you. Well, honestly, when I came in, when I was coming into this tournament, I I told myself I am going to try put all my eggs into doing as well in the Masters event as as I possibly could because to me, for a player to qualify, you had to have won the previous won a previous big tournament. Like we're not talking small tournaments; we're talking. 40 player minimum tournaments like these are not easy tournaments to win just to get your ticket and to go up against another 15 players that have that same caliber and to have to fight out because these games weren't easy these were hard games and like it might sound easy in the way we're doing it but they're, they're tough decisions you have to make and 
that always felt to me, this always felt to me like this was the one that I, I wanted to say I did my best in and I, I feel like I can say I did my best for this and I'm I'm ecstatic that I managed to somehow pull out a win well and, and like you say you uh, you know we, we've like we've been doing post post action uh, yeah. uh, commentary but you know there, there's the there's the YouTube so STF on YouTube you'll be able to watch all those those minutiae of decisions and I'm sure I mean I know I, I'll, I'll be a, gobsmacked by the the sort of ability because you just look over here and you see the the minutiae and it's it's fascinating to watch but but it it does sound like you've you've done a a terrific effort so now it's just you know go and rock into the main tournament and smash that as well i guess i think i think if um if there is a game you want to watch uh watch uh my game against uh anarion uh the spaniard that that was the game where i went oh shit multiple times and had to, was I was up to plan I think D or E during that game in terms of how I was I was playing it out and yeah I think that that was probably my favorite game I played tonight. Don't get me wrong, the game against Jay was was amazing. It will it will always go down as my redemption game. But as as we said on um, the the STF uh, thing, the Witch King just could not fail a spell. Mm. He just he was landing every spell, one dice, getting sixes and stuff. And do you feel like luck may have been on your side this time? Or I, I mean, I know I, I'm I'm not not to devalue your your win, but ha, I, did I the had, dice yeah. rolls go your way? I well, they weren't so much going my way as it was the resource management coming in that really, really, really freaking helped me. I'm sorry, I'm just getting hugged by by, Matt. by Matt. a fellow green dragon, a fellow green dragoner. So yeah, it was it was it was one of those things where it was like right i am doing the right target priority here and the resources are going in the right spots and you know jay's burning his might and will to stop these spells mm. and it was it was one of those things where it, it felt like the dice were going yeah you're, you're making good decisions okay he's he's a little he's a one pip higher than you you were expecting and you've been rewarded with the official designation of champion of all champions well done kylie green dragon and also winner of the open masters at uh, ardacon well done thank you so much harry and these interviews have been an absolute blast brilliant one thanks for talking to me yeah this is the end guys it it is a load of fun (laughs) so there you have it Uh, thank you very much to kylie for uh, her kind words there at the end Uh, and thanks very much to jasmine for uh, being a great sport a great team partner and also be well up for having a bit of a chat for the podcast Uh, i hope you've enjoyed the format this time i know it's been slightly different no riddles in the dark but it was a big long podcast and a long day the first of three very long days Uh, so i'm glad to have uh, at least get some other content out of all of this now uh, the intention is to continue the green dragon crossover uh, and the intention is to do a second episode uh, entirely about my journey through the main event of the tournament so that will form the final episode of Articon uh, episode 10 that will be the return of the riddles in the dark so that'll be coming later in the week um, as uh, as the crow flies I suppose uh, that doesn't quite make sense that term but hey it'll come later in the week there's three podcasts to edit I've got one for you um, as early as possible so hopefully you enjoy the first of three Uh, And then we've got a second one coming, another Green Dragon crossover. And then we've got a third all about the main deal. And in one, uh, we'll see which way around it goes, but 
We'll also be talking to the main man himself, uh, James Clark, from the Ardicon team, the organiser of uh, this massive event, uh, about A, how, how difficult it is to get it all arranged, and B, what he's uh, proud of uh, ahead of the event. So I didn't get managed to catch him after the event. It was all before it all started. So, uh, But it's great to hear a bit of the insight there. So... Uh, I realise the timelines are a little bit off. I'm recording this after the weekend. Uh, There's still a lot of content from the weekend to go, but hopefully it all makes sense in your head when you listen to it. So thanks very much again for listening to episode eight of Endmoot. And don't forget... Bularum.